You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College Episode 4, Washington is Humble and Popular, and Whiskey. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts... Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everyone, I'm Jason Goff. And I'm Ben Smith. All right, Jason, so we know that George Washington was elected as the first president of the United States in 1788-89. Uh, we talked about that last episode. So what's happening? What's going on now? Yeah, things are going along pretty smooth. This whole new country thing seems to be working, uh, especially considering that the Revolutionary War was pretty brutal. And the whole let's leave our stable country and do our own thing. So John Adams is the vice president, and the cabinet is full of a bunch of names we recognize. Yeah, we've got Alexander Hamilton as the Secretary of the Treasury. Thomas Jefferson is the Secretary of State. Henry Knox is the Secretary of War, and Edmund Randolph is Attorney General. Uh, we're not going to talk about them too much this episode, um, so don't you know? Don't take up useless space with them. Yeah, and John, his rotundity Adams as the VP, refused to attend cabinet meetings. He thought his role was so minimal that it didn't even matter. He once said that the vice president position was, quote, the most insignificant office that ever the invention of man contrived or his imagination conceived. So uh it sounds like it sounds like his rotundity isn't too happy. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty scathing remark of something. I wonder if he was just um bitter at one of the decisions or something that was made and just decided, okay, my position's worthless. Poor guy. Poor guy. Well, there was oftentimes uh, some disagreement between George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. At first, George Washington didn't really dislike uh, Thomas Jefferson, but he mainly disagreed with him because he so very much liked Alexander Hamilton. And, of course, uh, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson, who, by the way, once again, is the Secretary of State, they did not always get along very well. Yeah, because, because, because of the wonderful things he does, perhaps. Right, exactly. The Wizard of Oz, Alexander Hamilton, you know, here he is. He's the, te- he's the Treasury Secretary, and he has plans to make the nation powerful and financially stable. And he was pretty aggressive. The U.S. is $56 million in debt which I don't need to tell you was a lot of money now, but it was even more money in the 1770s. And he pretty much just wants to pay that debt back right at face value. Yeah. So Alex says, hey, Congress, uh, let's impose a 5% tariff on imports and let's assume the state's debts from the war and pay them back. And if that's not enough, uh, Congress, let's also establish a bank of the United States 
and we'll basically let it have control over the economy and over the other banks that are out there. Um, if you're familiar with the way the Fed works now, current day, uh, that's kind of what he had in mind. Yeah. So TJ and his friend James Madison, they opposed this plan and they almost shut it down completely. Now, Jefferson and Hamilton, they meet and they settle their differences. They come up with a compromise aptly named the Compromise of 1790. And that allowed for the Assumption Bill, uh, which contained pieces of Hamilton's original ideas. And also the Residence Act uh, was passed. Do you think they called it the Compromise of 1790 at the time or was that thrown upon it later on? I'm gonna, this is going to be a recurring question for me. I think that they were like, hey, Happy New Year. It's 1790. I, Let's compromise or something. Let's get along. It's been a really, really trying couple of years and it's 1790 and it's the time for a fresh start. So let's get along and compromise. Let's party. I, I think that's what they said. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Residence Act, uh, which Jason mentioned is, was pretty much an act that established where the capital would be. And Jefferson and Hamilton wanted, uh, the site to be more south than others did. Um, some other people wanted it to be in Philadelphia or New York, uh, which is where a lot of the activity that happened for the nation at the time was going on. And Jefferson and Hamilton were like, no, we want it more towards the south. Uh, we really need to get the southerners back on our side, um, which they were southerners. But the act pretty much gave Washington authority to select the site for the capital as long as it was along the Potomac River, which – if you know your geography, it really limits the availability of places you can you can put the capital. Yeah. So, you know, Washington was a surveyor somewhere in there, too. So do you think he was hunting around going, hmm, I've got some prime real estate right over here? I didn't know that was the case. I didn't know he was a surveyor, but that's interesting. Yeah. I think all of these guys did like 80 different things. They're polymaths. That is a big word. It is. Uh, the assumption bill, as we mentioned, was actually pieces of Hamilton's original ideas about, you know, assuming the state's debts and things like that. But here's a little bit of trivia. Hamilton actually needed some votes from Pennsylvania delegates, uh, in order to get the assumption bill passed. So he agreed that the temporary capital of the United States would be in Philadelphia. Until the Capitol was ready, which the Capitol was going to be set by the Residence Act, which allowed Washington to choose it, like we just discussed. So really, all these things did work out um, together as a really big compromise, one of the first big compromises of the new government. Yeah, so Washington was pretty ticked off at Jefferson for trying to subvert his authority um, and Hamilton's agenda as well. So he almost says, hey, TJ, get out and... What does TJ do? He says, you're not going to tell me to get, I resign before you can say get out. Just like a good politician. Yeah. And so Washington is angry at him and the two never speak again. While this is all going on, Washington's got other stuff going on that's really uh, taken some of his attention away. If you remember, there are always debts after wars, and we've got $56 million worth of debt right now. Uh, and so they're trying to stabilize this national debt and really get the U.S. on firm economic ground. So they're like, hey, why don't we make this thing called the distilled spirits tax, and we will charge a tax on any spirits out there. And they institute it, and everybody's like, 
hey, we like whiskey, and this is really affecting our whiskey, and it becomes known as the whiskey tax. Yeah, and people, they're having flashbacks. They're saying, hey, this is taxation without representation and everything that we were going through with the king. So why are you doing this to us? And those people, uh, especially in Pennsylvania, they start rioting and they, they're tarring and feathering people and just all kinds of crazy stuff is going on. So Washington is like, Hey troops, let's mount up on our horses and let's go to Pittsburgh where there are really big issues going on. And he shuts them down and they do investigations. They arrest some people. They charge people with treason, which is an awesome thing to do if you're living in that era because lots of people got charged with treason back then and the rebellion dies. Yeah. And a few of the people, uh, most of the people that got charged with treason, they couldn't make anything stick because there was a lack of witnesses, uh, which is pretty funny. Nobody wanted to rat each other out, but uh, <laughs> there were two guys who got convicted uh, of treason. And then later Washington says, okay, just knock it off and you're pardoned. So that was nice of them. But at any rate, by this time, there's some serious division uh, going on, and you see people complaining about taxes and about states' rights and uh, things like that. And you really start seeing some of these political parties being formed, and it sounds, sounds pretty similar to today. It's like old habits never die or something. Right. Yeah, and so you've got the Federalists. So those are the people who were led by Alexander Hamilton, the Treasury Secretary, as we mentioned. So the Federalists are all about having that strong national government. And then you have the Democratic Republicans who were led by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison also. So going into the election, we've got the Federalist were pro-Constitution, pro-strong federal government. And remember the anti-Federalist from previous, they kind of morph into this. Uh, what was called the Republican Party, but historians have given the name Democratic Republican Party. And really their big thing is we're in favor of states' rights and we're not in favor of Alexander Hamilton. And that's pretty much what we stand for. You ready to talk about the candidates? I think I am. I Do you think Washington has a chance of getting reelected? I don't know. It's pretty sketchy. The polls are right now are saying you know, it's kind of iffy. Let's just say that he is still considered to be very popular and he had bipartisan support and was very successful. He's humble. Uh, I'm sure Martha thought that he was good looking and he's thinking, I just want to get out of this mess. I want to retire. And he writes a retirement speech and everybody's like, no, you're going to stay. The spin doctor himself, Alexander Hamilton, I'm sure he had a role in that. And he helped bridge the gap between the parties at that time. And he got the Bill of Rights passed in 1791. And that made him even more popular. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really an interesting dynamic with Washington to me. Um, he doesn't really want to run. But he knows that the people want him, so he does, and he allows them to elect him. And then he really doesn't want to do it again, but he knows that they need him, so he stays. And all the while, everybody still loves him, even though they're fighting with each other. And he's just this kind of voice of reason in between everyone, while really also, from at least from what I've read, not saying a whole lot. He just kind of 
sits back and observes and then steps up whenever it absolutely needs to happen. And that's really an interesting leadership style to me. Yeah. And you just wonder what those cabinet meetings were like. I'm just envisioning uh, some folded arms and sneering uh, the, the glares, you know, across the table and Washington comes in and he's like, okay, this is the way it's going to be. And everybody's like, yes, sir. So, Jason, there's a really good book about George Washington. Uh, it's called Washington, A Life. Um, makes sense, right? I mean, it's, that's, that's yeah. his name and everything. So, um, Very profound. it goes through and talks about not only the actions that Washington took as president, but also talks a lot about his childhood, uh, debunks, of course, some of the myths about, you know, the cherry tree and stuff like that that we've talked about. Uh, and, goes all the way through his military experience up into his political experience. Our listeners can actually get that book for free on Audible. It's an audiobook service. Uh, if they go to electioncollege.com slash audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And it's a good, it's a good book. It's 41 hours of audio. And, uh, it really does tell you a lot about George Washington and and a lot of the people who surrounded him and other popular names we know from history. Cool. So, what about second place here? Well, I shouldn't say the second place. Yeah, I think it is second place. I mean, John Adams is around, and most people still like him. But well, not the Democratic Republicans, of course. They want to unseat him, and they don't want him to have any power anymore. And they just still think, hey, he's monarchical and pompous. So, let's get rid of him. And he's sitting over in the corner, going, "Great." Vice president again? You got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm his rotundity. What do they think they're doing? (laughs) Oh, man. What a guy. So the other candidate who was in the running was George Clinton. And the Democratic Republicans nominated him because they couldn't nominate Jefferson because he was from the same state as Washington. So they're both from Virginia. And, of course, we know that you are not allowed to vote for two people from the same state in the electoral college. So um, Clinton is the governor of New York from 1777 all the way to 1795. And he's a pretty popular guy up there in the what is now known as Empire State. Then you've got one more candidate, but not really. Actually, two more candidates, but not really. You've got Thomas Jefferson and he's not even technically nominated, but the Kentucky electors voted for him. And they kind of got around the ability to do that because they had just been separated from Virginia. So they really liked Thomas Jefferson. And technically he was from the same state, but they were different states now. And then old Aaron Burr, which we might talk about him later in a couple episodes. A South Carolina elector is like, hey, I like Aaron Burr. I'm going to vote for him. So he does. So election comes, election goes. Turns out that... um Six of the now 15 states choose their electors by popular vote. Uh, if you're curious, those are Kentucky, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. But out of all those states, only about 1%, a little less than 1% of the population shows up to vote. And then the rest of those states are, of course, um, the electors are voted by the state legislature. And this might be a little bit of a spoiler alert for you, but... Um, this is probably the only time that everyone running in the election, so what was that, Washington, Adams, Clinton, Jefferson, and Burr, probably the only time that everyone running was eventually selected 
um, to be either president or vice president of the United States. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. You can imagine what it was like, you know, you can only have one winner and one runner up. So they're probably thinking, Hey, I didn't win this time, but you watch out. I'm going to be back. It's a lot less competitive than it is nowadays. I'm sure. Yeah. President Washington. I like the sound He's of around. that. Yeah. Sounds good. So probably discuss his retirement the next episode if he decides to retire. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't want to give anything away like that, that maybe he'd retire. What do you think retirement would be like for you, Ben? I think retirement for me would be, I'd probably watch movies, listen to podcasts, and I don't, I don't know. It's so hard for me to imagine. I'm so busy. You know what I would do? What would you do? I'd get on my computer and I'd log on to Canva. Canva? And start creating some stuff. That's just crazy talk right there. Cause Canva is crazy. <laughs> Canva is awesome. And just as a hobby, I like to go into Canva, upload some of my images, add some text, put a filter on it and put them on the internet. Canva is a pretty great program. I used it today, in fact, to make some images for a couple blog articles. By the way, we have a blog at electioncollege.com. But if you want to use Canva, it's free. If you want to use uh, some of their, a lot of their images and everything are, are free to use as well, as well as some of their text. But they have some stuff that does cost a dollar. And if you want to use it, just pay a dollar. But if you go to electioncollege.com, slash Canva. Um, the fine folks at Canva have given our listeners the opportunity to get $10 for free, which if you're anything like me, it'll last you a little while. And uh, don't, I mean, there's no reason not to do it. There's no subscriptions. No, I mean, you only pay if you use something that costs a dollar. Yeah. You don't have to be retired in order to use Canva. The fun can start right now. Hey, and if you are retired and you have 41 hours to listen to Washington, a life, the audiobook. Go over to electioncollege.com slash audible. You'll get a free month of audible and you can pick any book. It doesn't have to be that one, but that's a good one we recommend for people who like the show and uh, check it out. You'll like it. I use it all the time. Uh, I use, I have a subscription to audible and listen to, um, actually I'm listening through the star Wars extended, um, universe right now. So that's going to take me a while. I have nothing to say about star Wars because. I am totally culturally illiterate on that, but glad to see that you're enjoying that. You have alienated some, if not many, of our listeners, so congratulations on that. Hey, no offense. I just I haven't started, so maybe Audible is a good way for me to get started. If you want to heckle Jason about not knowing anything about Star Wars, you can do it at Twitter at Election College. You can do it on Facebook at Election College, and even, hey, why not even heckle him on Instagram at Election College? You know what would be great, Ben? What's that? If some of our awesome listeners would go over to iTunes right now uh-huh. and leave us a review. Man, it would be great. And as a matter of fact, a lot of our listeners have already done just that. They've given us a review and a rating. There's a guy named Dread Pirate Lincoln. I have a feeling that's not his uh, born Christian name, but the name he goes by <laughs> is Dread Pirate Lincoln. And he says, really enjoying this podcast so far. It's an easy to listen to take on the history of presidential elections and how they relate to our current state of affairs. He goes on to say that it's great to listen to if you're in government or political science classes. And if they bored you to death, this is really more enjoyable and much more informative as well. Thank you very much, Dread Pirate Lincoln. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And wow, I didn't know people had Christian names, Ben. Well, that's what they call it whenever, you know, it's like your proper name. That's your Christian name. I don't, I don't know I why know. that's the case. Cause obviously people can have names even if they're not Christian, but. 
Okay. Yeah. And then one of our Twitter friends, Jackie Dotson, writes, I'm a big presidential history nerd. Hey, that sounds like our kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really excited to hear a show that goes into the topsy-turvy history of elections in America. They were wild and wicked, and they still are, and few people realize this. It's cool to see it explored in this way. The hosts are great. Thank you. I love it. If you're a history buff, check it out. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. That's awesome. Hey, if uh, if you like the show and you want to hear your review read, or you want other people to be able to read it as well, or if you just want us to be able to rank up there and knock out some of the other podcasts that are up above us, this is a great way to do it. For sure. So that's it for this podcast. This is Jason. This is Ben. Thanks for listening. bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.